0: Welcome to the Inclusive Mental Health Podcast, Crossroads in Therapy by Belong. In this podcast, we will put therapy under a magnifying glass and enkindle the spirit of intersectional mental health. In each episode, we talk to experts with adequate professional and personal experiences in tackling mental challenges faced by marginalized communities. The title for today's episode is Rethinking the Family in Family Therapy. As the definition of a family undergoes considerable changes in the contemporary world, so do the family intervention strategies, even though family therapy has enjoyed a relatively long and fruitful history in India. There are very few discussions around the inclusion of non-normative narratives in mainstream family therapy work. In this episode, we talk to Reena Nath, who is a psychotherapist and systemic family therapist in private practice in Delhi. She started and was the director of Family Resource Centre, offering therapy and training in Delhi and under-resourced rural areas in Haryana. She has also been the secretary of Indian Association of Family Therapy, a board member of International Family Therapy Association and is currently on board of the Journal of Family Therapy. Stay tuned as we try to deliberate on questioning and resisting binary systems in family therapy work in order to promote inclusion of individual and relational identities. Rina, I welcome you to this episode. Thank you, Saranj. So, just to begin with, Ms. Rina, you have described your practice as multicultural and cross-cultural. Can you give us a glimpse of your experiences in the field of family therapy as a practitioner who works with such diverse social identities and geographies?
1: Thank you, Saranj. I'm very pleased to be on this podcast. I think you're doing very important work. About my work, I see individuals, couples, married or not, families with several members, age, range, and from around the world. All therapy can be considered cross-cultural because you and your client are different in age, gender, nationality, regionality, class, caste religious affiliations, education, family structure, genetic predisposition, health, including mental health, and experiences of interaction with institutions. But some people have shared background, while others are more dissimilar. I do work with diverse social identities, but the effort is to find one common humanity, to bridge the difference of experiences by listening deeply and empathetically.
0: Thank you for that. It's a great start to discussing your experiences both professionally as well in your personal life as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, There has been a lot of conversation around the changing roles and methods of therapy, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the recent days. So Taking forward our conversation around your own therapeutic work, how has that changed in the recent few years?
1: Saraj, it's changed quite a lot. First of all, there's many more couples coming. And not only heterosexual couples, but same-sex couples, perhaps who are committed, people who are committed to each other, but not necessarily married. Married through a ceremony recognized by religious or legal institutions in the country. People who would hesitate to seek therapy, traditionally marginalized from existing remedial health systems, are considering therapy. So that's a very good scenario that's happened in the last few years. I think the media has a lot of credit for that. So a lot of people who wouldn't consider therapy are now coming in for therapy. And that's not just the middle class but the higher end as well as poor people, disadvantaged people.
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. And that makes a very diverse set of clients who come in for family therapy.
1: And for different problems also. In my earlier years of working, the walk-in clients would necessarily be people who had some mental health or some severe family crisis. But now people are coming in with more existential questions.
0: Hmm, hmm, hmm.
1: Mm, not necessarily a life crisis that is affecting their day-to-day well-being.
0: Yeah, and you have mentioned how increasingly you're getting more same-sex couples as well. And I was wondering how the social cultural changes in India, especially in the last decade, has impacted your work. So when it comes to LGBTQ rights, when mm. it comes to caste-based rights, And so many other human rights aspects that Mm -hmm. we are about to see in the coming days, I think has changed therapy in a very crucial way. So how has that made an impact?
1: Yeah, I think the things you're talking about, the upheavals you're talking about, and the documentation in the media, the creation of groups that have an identity, the filing of legal cases, And the general knowledge that has increased has led to some acceptance that these realities do exist. And therefore, therapy is also included in that because people are seeing that these are problems that exist in our society and that people who suffer like this also need succor and support and a good life. So I think these two things side by side, that problems exist and that These people deserve their rights also to be acknowledged. I think all that has led to therapy. I must say, though, that these upheavals They've affected people, but especially young people. And the growing gap between rich and poor, the privileged caste and the oppressed, the marginalized and the majority have created deep divisions and caused enormous suffering, which we are seeing in therapy and there is a hopelessness, frustration, even despair, and new anxieties. These has mm-hmm. created new challenges for therapists, even as each of us are trying to find answers to remain positive about uh, futures that can be good for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all in it together, and we're trying to find answers together. But I especially want to remark that I feel that the young are particularly affected. They want a future for everybody. And I feel their pain and their frustration. I yeah. don't find so much of that frustration in older people. We have a youth that's very alive.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a very important and prominent observation, Now. And of course, I think the age reflects a lot about the kind of issues that are brought in in the therapy room. And yes, of course, there has been a lot of conversations around the need of for a culturally responsive social justice oriented therapists, especially in India, where such practitioners are not readily available, you know, Mm -hmm. and even if they do, one can't really put a pointer to know how inclusive they are, you know, which identities do they accept in their own therapy room and which they don't, right? That's correct. Why do you think that is the case?
1: I have to say, I think it's lack of exposure, especially in people who grew up without internet. Mm, mm. And also in their training, their supervision, their reading. Traditional psychotherapy pays exquisite attention to the inner world of the mind. Experiences in the outer world are represented in the mind. And that's where most therapists work with them. Mm, mm. It's useful, but it's not enough. In family therapy, we believe that contexts, multiple contexts, offer us opportunities to engage with clients' world. For instance, when I was in training, I was encouraged that family therapists help a client from uh, underprivileged backgrounds to negotiate larger systems such as hospitals or school. So, in my training, I was encouraged by my supervisor to accompany a parent to a school meeting with the school teacher regarding their child. And this is something that I had never been exposed to and never thought that I could do or that it was my job to do. And that is radical. That was completely radical for therapy. And I think a lot of therapists in this country have not had received that kind of training or thought about it because what better way to help somebody help themselves than to show them the ropes, Because One of the things we recognize is that if you can't negotiate with these systems, which will help a family, then you're lost. And how intimidating it is for somebody from a marginalized background or a non-normative background to enter these huge institutions. So it was very helpful for that family. And I found that when you come across people who are underprivileged, then recognize that underprivilege and help them in a concrete way to develop the confidence to negotiate their own future.
0: Yes. Thank you. Really great points about the same. So
1: therapy really needs to redefine, I think, its role and expand their practices. There's many ways to help people. And I think therapy practices and therapists need to stretch what their boundaries are.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: The cozy the cozy world of the therapy room needs to be breached.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We need to work with communities to be activists of a sort. Very thoughtfully, very carefully. You don't want to take over anybody's work, but to be there as witness, as prompter, as negotiator.
0: Yeah, I think like someone had mentioned once that how it is important for the activist to stay alive in the therapy room. Um.
1: And,
0: and you have very well put it through words. Yeah. So, Ms. Reena, like there have been talks about the new family. You know, When we talk about family as a unit, it is being constantly redefined. And our idea of a family has been changing since quite some time. Do you think that you yourself could witness that change in your practice? And how has it changed in India?
1: Right. Uh, Saransh, I started a long time ago in India, about 40 odd years ago. And at that time, the definition for everybody of a family, and that's what we learned in college as well, is a group of people related by blood or marriage and residing together. This has completely changed, and I think anybody who thinks that this is a family is not been exposed to all the other forms that we see. People are choosing not to marry but are deeply committed to a long-term relationship. People are also choosing to have commitments that are not forever, mm. but as long as it is loving, people have same- sex relationship or open relationships with multiple sexual partners while, Being in a loving relationship with the primary partner, residing with a family of friends or pets even, families that are composed of uh, children from different couples living together and who are in meaningful relationship with step-parents, parents, parents, step-grandparents, step-siblings, and they all come together to celebrate important festivals and meaningful experiences. So, these are just some of the ones. There are many others. I think so, changing family therapy practice, uh, but the pace of acceptance of these practices, I fear, is slower than it should be. Sexual practices. Definitely, yeah. I think that's because of the notions that we've been brought up with, and we have unexamined habits of thinking about what is right and wrong and good and bad. Unless we open our minds about those, Uh, It's going to be difficult to encourage people of all sorts to come in for therapy and get some real understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like it's very important for everyone to have their experiences affirmed in that space.
1: So one of the things that I realized from uh, training I did for counselors from all over North India, Mm -hmm. and they were very judgmental about people who had addictions to alcohol or drugs, extremely judgmental so they could not possibly work with somebody with that problem area Hmm. and I asked them I said have you ever encountered somebody in your family who's had this problem because then you can love as well as hate you know you can do it together and they said no they never they came from backgrounds where it was completely taboo to even do social drinking so that's what I mean by lack of exposure if you've not encountered something like that so for instance, divorce, or different sexual practices, or same sex relationships, if you've not seen them, not love the people who are like that, then it's difficult for you to accept it. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what to do with it when it arrives in your room. Mm-hmm. So I think people have to work quite hard on that. So for instance, now, sometimes I'm very curious about how Certain people have managed to keep their relationships with ex-in-laws and in a culture where everything is cut off, you know, you Mm -hmm. break a relationship, then you never want to look at them again. That's the norm. But there are people, quiet people who have you know, kept relationships with mother-in-laws, with daughter-in-laws, with son-in-laws and they're able to come together around and forget those and keep meaningful relationships, keep their support network going that has existed for so many years. It's so healthy. Mm -hmm. How do they do that? If we become curious about that and understand it, then we can propagate it.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And also, I I was curious about the tools that are being used in family therapy itself. Have they seen a particular change? Whether the courses that people Mm. visit, whether they have changed as well?
1: Mm -hmm. Not really. Mm -hmm. As I was saying that, first of all, family therapy is not taught in the big institutions. Yeah, The main type of therapy that is taught is psychoanalytic. It has a very useful role to play and it should be taught. But I think family therapy as an inclusive type of practice definitely needs to be on those courses. Mm -hmm. And it's this lack, I think, that is creating the slow progress. Yeah, yeah. Of
0: course, I think even if today I go and make a list of family therapists, I guess I would be able to find a few compared to other forms of therapy.
1: No, all therapists need to expand their versions of what is normal. Yeah, And they need to do that in a very concentrated kind of study. It's not something that will float into your psyche. You have to read, you have to watch different movies, you have to listen, you have to travel. So, for instance, the minute I was uh, referred to see a family of Iraqi Christians, I immediately had to do tons of homework, background study, before I even met them, what would I know about what an Iraqi Christian experiences?
0: Hmm. Or,
1: for instance, a lower Dalit from Orissa, for instance. No, but there hmm. is tons of information available so that I have a head start on something that I recognize as not knowing. Yeah. yeah. I have to enter their worlds. That's my work, that's my responsibility. Definitely. It's not for them that I sit back and let them do the hard work of explaining what their reality is.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was also wondering, Ms. Reena, that how we are talking about clients' access in therapy. But what about the therapists from marginalized sections and mm. their access to other forms of
1: Absolutely. I was just going to come to that point, Saranj. I'm so glad you raised it because until we have all types of people as therapists, that richness in even their viewpoints when we are discussing things in training is completely beyond a price. To work with people side by side and to understand their reality, we need many more people. We need more men in therapy. As Mm. therapists, that's the first shortcoming. We need more religious groups, more people from uh, different backgrounds, and definitely from different caste and class representation, Mm. and of course, different sexualities. I think those people are drawn to therapy, different sexualities. They also work within helping organizations. Mm. So they have a lot. There is not enough, I would say, but there are pockets Mm. of expertise there.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. I think there is some sort of representation, but not enough. Not enough. Definitely not enough. And I think the people who are selecting for the course, I mean, we need to do much more to encourage people to come forward. There are many people who want to do it. But if we don't expand our curriculum and the teachers don't open up their minds, those people are not going to be at entrance into our courses because i must say that the curriculum also doesn't match their needs
0: hmm definitely yeah, yeah. and that makes a huge huge difference in people selecting that particular course yeah i think i remember someone saying this to me that how they find family therapy altogether, you know, a little less inclusive because they don't believe in the institution of family, you know. It was quite amusing because they were living with a lot many people that they had termed as chosen family members. So of course, they had some idea of a family and mm-hmm. I think their perception of family therapy had to be changed.
1: It's like working with same-sex couples. If you imagine that it's going to be a ditto copy of working with uh, uh, heterosexual couples, you're completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And if you put that framework on a same-sex couple, you're going to go terribly wrong. And yeah. you're going to be speaking for restrictive and oppressive practices of showing love or showing loyalty or sharing of tasks or all the other issues, sharing money, monogamy all that kind of thing that is oppressive for some people yeah so you can't really work with the same sex couple if you're coming from just that experience Hmm. we need to have liberating practices that we are comfortable with and then we can work with our clients they're far advanced of us
0: So now we enter a section called Reimagining Inclusive Therapeutic Practices. And Mr. Numa, my question to you is that our notions around inclusion and exclusion that we have been discussing mm-hmm. hardly mm-hmm. receive any traction in media or hardly receive any traction even in the mental health sector. You have been in this field for quite some time now, and you have been a trainer for multiple entrants in this profession. What mm-hmm. are some of the practices that you have initiated with these new practitioners? Can you give us a glimpse into your work with them?
1: I think the first thing that therapists in training need to do is to recognize their own limited identity. Mm-hmm. And if you can say that I don't know this and I don't know that and I need to know, then you've got a clarity about what you think is normative and what other people might. So we have to recognize the boundaries of our own understanding. Because once you understand that boundary, then you can stretch it. But if you don't even know that it's there, you have a, live in a kind of a global soup of what is normal, that fish and the water analogy, you know? Yeah. The fish only knows the water that it lives in. It -hmm. has to recognize that people can live in air as well. So I think that has to be the starting point, the self-examination of where you end and other people start. So you can do that through discussions, through offering readings, through watching films that they might not have encountered, but open up their mind. Anything that opens up descriptions for them of what is normal, that they can see that this works, this way of living, this way of believing works for them. If you've never seen a same-sex person close to you fall in love, how can you say that that love is the same as the feeling that you have when you love somebody? So I think the more we expose people, we ask them questions, we ask them to examine themselves, we ask them to do their own cultural genogram as well as other people's, then you see the sameness and you see the differences. And this negotiating between what is same, what is the same human need that we have, the same need to love and care and nurture, how does that practice in different people? When we ask these questions, I think then we're getting somewhere.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And have you met a lot of you know, younger family therapists, mm-hmm. and I'm sure like they might have sought supervision of sorts or mm-hmm. guidance from you. So what are some of the tips that you usually give?
1: Well, That kind of includes just about everything. And we've all had really amazing experiences when somebody who was in a supervisory capacity has asked us to examine something that we thought was the truth. And it's completely opened up your mind. So let me give you an example, not from other people, but from my own experience. One of our walk-in clients was a young man, and he was asking me about sexual practices. And I did wonder how come he didn't know he was educated, he had access to magazines and so on, This was pre-internet. Yet, I thought somehow that I should answer all those questions. And I did. And I came out feeling as if I really helped somebody. I was quite proud of what I'd done in that therapy room. And my supervisor asked me, why did you do that? Doesn't the person have ability to find out this information on their own? And through that questioning, I realized that I had a gender bias, that I imagined that men actually were handicapped in their ability to speak about certain forbidden topics like sex, and that women were much better at it. So it was quite an eye-opening experience for me. And that's the way that, whether it's gender or mental health, or even more uh, difficult situations. But even like mental health, I remember asking somebody, somebody I was supervising, she seemed to think that a lot of things that would have been classified as mental health were normal. And then I found out that she lived with uh, older family members who had undiagnosed mental illness and that her view of the world or what is normal was colored very much by that. So she imagined that paranoid practices where you suspect anybody who's ringing the bell was kind of normal to keep yourself safe. So therefore, she could not make an assessment of whether somebody was needed a psychiatrist or needed medication correctly, because her own experiences were biased. So in that way, that kind of self-examination is something that you constantly have to do. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. And I hope that in case if there are mental health professionals who are listening to us, they're able to take a lot of these learnings.
1: I just wanted to add that the more accepting we are of people's limitations, If I'm accepting of my own limitations, I will be open to examining them more and more. So the whole idea is to create places in our relationships, in our talking, in our vocabulary, in the language that we use to be more accepting.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. These are some really great words that actually inspire me and will continue to inspire me. Thank you. Ms. reena as final thoughts, I was curious to know, how do you envision the future of family therapy, especially in India?
1: I think I was more hopeful about 20 years ago that family therapy would become a mainstream subject in universities. And I am still hopeful, but I think it's going to take longer. The kind of funding, the kind of social milieu that's happening, doesn't call for much openness or change. I think things have to change quite a lot in our country before we'll see the change on curriculums. Yeah. Right. I don't see much change happening in the arts or much support for opening up a lot of films that uh, we need to see are not getting certification. So It doesn't look like a very hopeful time, but on the whole, I'm more hopeful that human beings go one step forward and three steps back, but there's always some movement forward.
0: And also, as much as we try to run away from the concept of family, it will never be a bother to visit. uh,
1: (laughs) I think we are social beings and we need to live in social groups. Whether that's a community or that's a smaller grouping of people, that's not going to go anywhere. I think institutions respond to social change slowly. So social change will happen first, and then institutions will respond accordingly. Unfortunately, that's the way it is, but so be it. Hmm. We have to keep up our pressure. I think that's the best way to sum it up, that we
0: have to keep up, I think. The mental health sector has to keep up. That's right.
1: So, so Ms. Reena, uh, that was all the questions that I had. Thank you. They were very interesting questions and helped me clarify my thoughts also. I enjoyed this very much.
0: I also enjoyed this session because we rarely talk about therapy and inclusion within family therapy, I think, as a topic that hasn't been spoken of a lot. So, thank you for being here and i really hope that people who are listening us they are able to take home a lot many learnings from our discussion today
1: thank you saranj